0: We're going to look at receiving God's Word in number one, because in two weeks, we'll look at receiving God's Word number two. And that time, we're going to look at receiving God's Word in these three ways, sad, mad, and glad. And I'd say this, I hope that you receive God's Word gladly. But today, we're going to look at receiving God's Word with... And we're seeing what the Bible says about receiving God's Word. Receive it understanding that it is God's Word. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, you read, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when you receive the Word of God which you heard of us, he says, you received it not as the Word of men, but as it is in truth, the Word of God which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Now, it is the case that it is the Word of God. Paul had no doubt that he was proclaiming God's message. And I would hope today that any man preaching truly believes his message to be that Word of God coming from the Scripture. But some people, even preachers, reject God. I saw these two... Headlines, Googling, Canadian preacher who doesn't believe in God. And then another speaking of that same individual, atheist Mr. Greta Vosper hopes to stay at Canadian church. Well, this particular person stands in front of people preaching, doesn't even believe in God. Some religious groups... Truly, truly, look at the Word of God basically as the Word of man. Here was a little headline. Does the Unitarian Universalist Church hold to the Bible as the Word of God? And this is their own words. You could read it from that particular website. The modern day Unitarian Universalist Church does not hold to the Bible as the Word of God and the source of absolute truth. As per their website, they believe that personal experience, conscience, and reason should be the final authority in religion. In the end, religious authority lies not in a book, person, or institution, but in ourselves. And so, Here's a religious group that's basically discounting the Word of God and putting it on the level of the Word of man. Can we know that the Bible is God's Word? Yes. And there are several ways, and i just say this. We're looking at this oh so briefly. But one of the first things I'd say is look at the unity of the Bible. The Bible was written by 40 different men of varying backgrounds and cultures and vocations over 1600 years in three different languages and on three different continents. Yet there is an amazing unity among its pages when the Bible writers speaking the same thing. I'd also encourage you to consider The proof of God's Word from predictive prophecy of the Bible. The Bible at times does have predictive prophecy. That is, it tells you what's going to happen and what it says is going to happen does happen. Predictive prophecy must have these things. First of all, proper timing. The prophecy must precede an event. Of course, that seems... Kind of obvious. Also specific details. It must not be vague generalities which are capable of being manipulated to fit various circumstances. Sometimes so-called modern prognosticators speak in such vague generalities that they can construe anything to, as it were, be their prophecy. But then the third thing is there must be exact fulfillment, not merely a high degree of probability must characterize the prediction. So yes, the Bible's proved not only by its unity, but also by the predictive prophecy of the Bible. It's also proved by the scientific foreknowledge of the Bible. Some words from Kyle Butt. The first five books of the Old Testament, admittedly, are not devoted entirely to the enumeration of medical prescriptions. They are not ancient medical textbooks. These books do, we're speaking of these first five books of the Old Testament, the Pentateuch. These books do, however, contain numerous regulations for sanitation, quarantine, and other medical procedures that were given to govern the daily lives of the Israelite nation. Thousands of years before the lethal practice of bloodletting was conceived, mankind had been informed by God that blood was indeed the key to life. In Leviticus 17.11 you read, For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And so if you look at just, you might say, when it speaks to areas of, of science and medicine. No, it's not a science textbook. It's not a medical textbook. But when it speaks to those things, it is accurate, and it's accurate beyond the knowledge of the people of those times. Yes, God's word is the Bible, and understanding His God's words, we know these things about it. God's word is living and active. Hebrews chapter four, verse twelve. You read: "For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing." of the soul, and of the spirit, of the joints, and of the marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Word of God is living and active. We also would see that the Word of God will make us clean. In John 15, verse 13, you read, Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. You know, someone might say, hey, wait a minute, preacher. I read the Bible and I just am frustrated. I can't seem to remember what I read. I read every day. I read and I read and I read and I just can't seem to remember. You know, I would suggest to you this little story of the colander. You know, that colander doesn't hold water very well. But as you continually run the water through it, guess what? You've got a clean colander. Well, it may be that I can't remember like I want to or wish as I read God's Word. But as I let it permeate my mind, my soul, my life, and every day it's a part of my life, I'm clean through that Word we'd also say, see that that Word will save us. In James one twenty one, He speaks there of the Word, which is able to save your souls. You just have to say, one of the most important things, understanding that I have a soul, understanding the nature of life beyond this one, understanding the destinations of heaven and hell, I want to be saved! And here we see this Word is able to save our souls. And we see it as well. By it we'll be born again. In 1 Peter 1 verse 23, Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding Word of God. The Scriptures receive it not as the Word of man, But as it is in truth, the Word of God, able to make you clean, able to save your souls, and able to allow you to be born again. But we would also see some other things that the Bible says about receiving God's Word. We're to receive God's Word with eagerness. In Acts chapter seventeen, verse eleven, now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica, speaking of the Berean Jews, contrasting them to the Thessalonican Jews. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. That word eagerness is translated from a word prothumia. That could be translated zeal, spirit, eagerness, inclination, readiness of mind. Now look at those three, first three words: zeal, spirit, eagerness. It's so translated in the English Standard Version: eagerness. We understand eagerness, don't we? You know, it's the "I can't wait" sort of attitude. You know, if you tell your children, we're going to Disney World, they're excited and they have an I can't wait attitude. You know, there's a lot of things that, you know, for us that's kind of that way. We hear about it, we know it's coming, and it's a I can't wait. I would hope that we'd have that kind of attitude With regards to God's Word. And apparently that's kind of attitude that the Berean Jews had. They received the Word with eagerness. Has eagerness ever described us? As our attitude towards study of the Word of God, I pray that it would. Eagerness. We also see that they received God's Word with examining. That also is from Acts chapter 17 verse 11. Where it says, examining the Scriptures daily to see if these things were so. In other words, they heard the preaching of Paul and his companions, but they were taking their Bibles out and they were checking it out. And so we ought to do today. And by the way, it's easier for us to do it. It's more common for us to own a copy of God's Word than it would have been for those at that time in that day. In fact... You may have several copies, several translations even. And some of you have it on your phone. And literally every place you are, your phone's with you and you've got it there. Yes, you can examine it. Look it up. And they said they were doing it daily. You know, this is kind of this idea of, well, what does the Bible say? I hear this preacher, well, what does the Bible say? I've got this friend that says, But well, what does the Bible say? My family has always practiced, well, what does the Bible say? I know what I like, but what does the Bible say? That's what they were doing, examining the Scriptures. In essence, they were asking, well, what does the Bible say? Years ago, this is a picture of my dad. And I I chose this picture because it would have been while he was still working at Gulf States Corporation many years ago. My dad was raised Primitive Baptist. My mom was raised Cumberland Presbyterian. And then after they married, they were attending uh, a couple of different denominations actually. And then he began working at Gulf States Corporation, and a man with the last name Evans. And we've got several Evans here, but I doubt there'd be any kinfolk. This was in Tuscaloosa. And I don't know exactly if he asked my dad, would you study the Bible with me? I I don't know how that part developed. But he began studying the Scriptures with my dad and my mom. And then they began attending the Cottondale Church of Christ. It wasn't where this Brother Evans attended, and in fact, it was where Bill Wheeler was preaching. And the connection of Bill Wheeler is that our speaker next week, that's Dan's daddy that was preaching there at Cottondale. And after a number of months having studied in the Bible with Brother Evans, and then having attended Cottondale Church of Christ, they were baptized I was just a baby, my sister, oldest sister Charlotte was about seven years old and she says she remembers them being baptized. But if you were to say, well then why were they baptized? Why'd they make that choice? It was because finally after all of these years, they were examining the scriptures. My dad at that point would have been about 39 to 40 years old. My mom would have been about 29 to 30 years old. But I'm glad that they then decided, I want to examine the Scriptures. Fast forward a few years, and there was a gentleman that worked with my dad named Billy Pearson... And I'm not quite sure how, once again, their studies began. But they began to study the Bible together and actually studied on the job. They would take their breaks, take their lunch, and they would open up the Scriptures. They had a unique way of studying. They would just take a subject and they would look in a concordance and they'd try to find everything the Bible said about that subject. And then as they studied it together they came to, as it were, a meeting of their minds, here's what the Scriptures say. And then they'd move on to another subject. And they would take the time, once again, looking at all of the passages, examining the Scriptures, coming to an understanding of what the Bible said about that, and they'd move to another subject. I don't know if I've ever heard anybody quite study the Bible in this fashion. And this wasn't a matter of one or two days. This was a matter of... Years that these Bible studies took place, eventually Billy and his wife were baptized. And then fast forward a few years and he was appointed an elder of the Northport Church of Christ. And for many years served as an elder there and has only recently passed away. But if we were to say, "Why'd my dad become a Christian? Why'd Billy become a Christian?" it all comes back down to they were like these Bereans Jews. They were searching, examining the scriptures daily to see whether it was so. And this is the way we need to be receiving God's word. Yes, you receive it as it is in truth, the word of God. Receive it eagerly and receive it by examining. But then a third thing, receive God's Word with affliction. And I just put it this way, no matter what the cost. Now, you may have, maybe not. But I've known of instances when people did... They literally they counted the cost because there was going to be a cost. A number of years ago, I and I say a number, it's go back to I guess January nineteen seventy seven. Went on a campaign to the island of Trinidad. We were in the Maraval community, outside the bigger city, Port of Spain, and. We had Bible studies with individuals during that week. And some, they understood what they needed to do, but they were reluctant because here was a big hill, almost a mountain, came down and then only to go up for another mountain. And you could see off in the distance. And it was a distance, but halfway up that mountain... It was a cemetery. And they realized, and they were thinking this, if I am baptized and I leave that church, that church on that hill, there's no place for me to be buried. Now for a whole lot of folks here, we might think, I don't quite get that, or I don't understand that, or... That wouldn't be important to me, but it was to them because they knew if they're baptized, they're going to be kicked out of the cemetery. Their family's going to have no place to bury them. I've seen a time when a, a young person, when they were baptized into Christ, they knew what their parents had said. You do that you don't come home. We go back to the first century. We go back to 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 6. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the Word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. You see, you go back to the first century and you'd find... There was a persecution beyond what we have experienced today. But well, we need to receive the Word. Even need be with affliction. There's no matter the cost. For everyone there is a cost. For some the cost is even greater. And then lastly, receive the Word with meekness. In James 1.21 We've looked at that to begin with about how the word saves our souls, but he says, receive with meekness the implanted word. Meekness is also translated humility in New American Standard Bible and without pride in Bible and basic English. Meekness, that particular Greek word, by Thayer means mildness of disposition, gentleness of spirit, or meekness. Barclay says gentleness is an attempt to translate the untranslatable word prautes. This is a Greek word which has no precise English equivalent. Aristotle defined it as the mean between excessive anger and excessive angerlessness. Is the quality of the man whose feelings and emotions are under perfect control. It's the teachable spirit that is docile and tractable and therefore humble enough to learn. The teachable spirit is without resentment, without anger, and is therefore able to face the truth even when it hurts and condemns. The teachable spirit is not blinded by its own overmastering prejudices, but is clear-eyed to the truth. Receive it meekly. Put that prejudice out of your mind. Prejudice against the truth. Put that anger out of your mind. Meekly, humbly. Read and study God's truth. Receiving God's Word. Receive it as the Word of God. That's what it is. Receive it with eagerness. That's the I can't wait attitude. Receive it examining. That is, you're asking, is that in God's Word? What does God's Word say about that? Receive it with affliction. You receive it even if trouble's coming your way. Receive it even if persecution will be the result. And you receive it with meekness. That's how the scriptures say we are to receive God's Word. We're going to continue this idea in two weeks and we're going to see and see some examples of some who receive the Word of God with sadness or madness or gladness. Going back to the scripture reading today, there Peter was preaching and when he says you know for certain or know assuredly that God has made that same Jesus whom you've crucified both Lord and Christ says they were pricked in their heart they were listening and the Word of God had its effect in their heart and they said men and brethren what shall we do Asking Peter and the rest of the apostles, and then they were told to repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So they were told, but now how'd they receive it? In verse 41. King James Version says, Then they them they that gladly received. His Word, were baptized. They were happy to hear the message. They didn't argue. They didn't fuss. But they heard the Word of God. Gladly receiving it. Obeyed it. I beg of you. I would beg of you. Have these same traits of receiving the Word of God in your life. Let it not just be the preacher on Sunday, but you receive God's Word on Monday as you take it out and read it. And as you study it, the remainder of the week, receive it. Obey it. If we could assist you in your obedience this morning, if, if you understand I'm lost and God will save me by His grace, and you're that believer, John three sixteen, who's repented of his sins, Luke thirteen 3. We'll give you that opportunity to confess Jesus, and then we can assist you in your baptism for the forgiveness of sins. If there's a need for prayer, I'd be glad to take the time and pray for you. If you need to come, please come as